0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor of almost 20 years now, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: And this is Bill Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I do powerlifting, handling games, a bunch of other stuff.
2: So. Dr. Mike Hello. Nelson, owner of Extreme Human Performance, faculty member at the Kerrigan Institute, and I'm actually back home as of the other day. I had to get oh, back for the Iron Maiden, Maiden concert last night.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys got Iron Maiden. I got nothing but, but, like Bob Seger coming to town. Uh, not, Bob Seger is good, Bob, but yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, no. But it's still, it's a different level. Oh, yeah. I'd still prefer Iron Maiden. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. it was an amazing show. It Was really, really good. Rather
0: run to the hills.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. played some of the classics, a lot of the new stuff, and. I mean, Bruce Dickinson's almost 60 years old. To see him run around stage and sing the whole time for well over two hours is super impressive. It is impressive,
0: yeah. especially because those guys, I at least presume they, li- they live pretty hard lives. You know, as far as it's not like they're eating um, chicken breast and broccoli and going to do their morning cardio. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, depends on the person. But even then, I mean, man, if you're doing everything right and you've got people cooking for you and you've got all that stuff, you're – like, their tour is spread out super far. And, I mean, granted, he flies their own, you know, custom plane and everything. Um, but still, that's a lot of travel, a lot of time zones set up, takedown, you know, all that stuff because not, not easy. Right, yeah. All right. Well, let's
0: get into some – I got a bunch of news from the Institute of Food Technologists. Um... Strength and Muscle Sport News. I shared this. Yeah, we get to see them. Yeah, we're going to go actually see them for real. I was going to say, I get to share this every once in a while when they do their monthly wellness newsletter. Or This isn't all just wellness. But yeah, this is where Mike and I are actually going next week in Vegas. (laughs) Uh, But just run down some uh, basic stuff. And I did pull some authors and actual websites just so I'm offering more uh, if people want to follow up. The first one, FDA will extend the compliance date for nutrition labeling. So the Food and Drug Administration, Office of Nutrition and Food Labeling, updated its, quote, changes to the Nutrition Facts Panel webpage, close quote, and they extended their compliance date. Uh, Listeners, you've probably heard us talk about some of the changes in the food labels. They've got the calories number really large, a huge font. They've got stuff like added sugars. For example, you can eat an apple, but it doesn't have added sugar, and that was controversial and that sort of stuff. We had guests on the show uh, talking about all these industry groups that come out of the woodwork. Anyway, they're extending that. So I don't know. Uh, it looks like by a year, if I'm reading this right. So they're going to delay that. You might not see the new food labels for a while, uh, while FDA gives these industry groups their quote-unquote guidance. Um, I don't know. To me I think it's probably more like lobbying from like the sugar refiners yeah. association and stuff like that, <laughs> stuff like that. Anyway, so food labels, the new ones might be delayed. Next, sales growth of US fast casual chains dips. So, this is a segment like Chipotle, right? It's fast but it's casual. The places that kind of draw you in but then, you know, the interiors like made of stainless steel and it kind of make hard on your button. Pushes you out kind of thing. Mm. Um, The growth significantly outpaced other restaurant segments, right, industry segments, uh, but it lagged compared to 2015 and 2014. Uh, It says, from a chain level perspective, the struggles of Chipotle had a substantial impact on the overall performance of the top 250 because it's the second largest fast casual chain and its sales actually dropped by 13% in 2016 i think a lot of the food scare stuff you know the microbiological scare um drove people away but it says look for specialty and health focused concepts to continue to shine and move up the ranks in this fast casual restaurant category that's from technomic.com top 250 fast casual chains dips anyway uh next up again just shotgunning today here before we get to some listener questions us consumers consider snacks to be treats while consumers may be growing more health conscious with their food choices it seems there's still room for life's little indulgences new research from intel reveals that top reason for americans for them to snack is to treat themselves 50 percent of americans say they snack as a treat and more than one quarter agree that taste is more important than health when it comes to their snacks uh, it says don't dismiss though that there's there is a self care and health motivator. One third of consumers say most snacks they eat are healthy, and over one quarter say they are snacking on healthier foods compared to a year ago. So I, it seems contradictory to me, right? First they say that people choose taste first, and then they say still about a third of people are trying to eat healthier snacks. So uh, so that's from Mintel.com. Top reasons consumers say they snack to treat themselves. Hmm. Uh, next up, vegetarian diets may help people lose more weight than a conventional diet. So I try to be fair, not just the anti-vegan you know, vegan here, but a new study published in the Journal of the American College of Nutrition suggests vegetarians lose weight more effectively and improve their metabolism by reducing muscle fat compared to other low-calorie diets. Interesting. Uh, there were 74 people. Uh, They were type 2 diabetics, and I think that's the important thing uh, to tease out there because their metabolism is broken, I think, in many ways compared to the average healthy person, if you consider an average person healthy. Um, Participants on the vegetarian diet ate mostly vegetables, grains, legumes, fruits, and nuts with animal products limited to one low-fat yogurt per day. That's what they allowed them to have. Um, the conventional diet they compared it to, it wasn't a junk food diet. It, it met um, European diabetes recommendations. So uh, there's a quote here. Vegetarian diets proved to be the most effective for weight loss, says study author Hanna Kalova, director of clinical research at the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. However, we also showed that a vegetarian diet is much more effective at reducing muscle fat and thus improving metabolism. So it says this may be important for people who are trying to lose weight. And this is again from uh, Hana Kalova, K A H L E O V A. The effect of a vegetarian versus conventional hypocaloric diabetic diet on thigh adipose tissue distribution in subjects with type 2 diabetes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know, reduce muscle yeah. fatness. Uh. That may be similar to what we were talking about a few weeks ago, that the high-sodium diets tended to increase munching and appetite and that sort of thing, uh, whereas you would think that a diet rich in a lot of the plant foods that they mentioned and the yogurt, it might be you know, lower in sodium, higher in potassium kind of thing. Maybe that plays a role. Maybe micronutrients are playing a bigger role in muscle loss and muscle fattiness uh, than the if-it-fits-your-macros guys would want to hear. I
2: don't know. Yeah, that's so, so. kind of been my gut feeling all along. I mean, there's not a ton of data in that area though, but again, just anecdotally with clients I've had, you know, people who done other, we'll say, dietary approaches that were very low in micronutrients and I've had to eat a lot more vegetables or make different specific smoothies or, you know, maybe even add just a couple food-based supplements and pretty much everyone does much better. Their appetite even anecdotally seems to be better, even at the same calories and things of that nature. And, you know, granted, I'm changing, the you know, adding more fiber and food and volume and things of that nature too. So it's not a, a direct comparison. But um, the interesting part too is that progress seems to be better and also uh, joint pain, kind of little niggly joint issues, things of that nature tend to get better too.
0: Right on. Yeah, I I know I've experienced that in the last six months. I've really eaten a ton of basically chicken and unprocessed veggie. I get frozen veg and just nuke it, you know. And um, just the fact that I'm eating less, and I mean I love pizza, but you know some of the saltier stuff is isn't quite the staple. Not that it was ever a big staple for me, but tons of vegetables. I think that's that's the key with this stuff, right? Whether it's pH balance or less sodium or whatever's happening. Uh, I think about how bodybuilders diet, you know, they, that's what I just did. I just regressed back to my chicken and vegetables sort of contest like diet. It's not nearly that meticulous, but uh, yeah, I do think it plays a role. it's a good point about joints and inflammation and all that kind of crap. So eat tons of fruits and vegetables, legumes, uh, even when I think you're hammering the calories, like, like Phil, like you talk about, get the healthy stuff in, Uh then go indulge, you know, for the calories kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think I I still think that's the best route is everybody, no matter what you're doing, set some kind of baseline diet. You no, know, here's what I have to do. Ah. And then when you're going up you just add a stuff on that. You know. Yeah. You know, if you have your meats and veggies and eggs and blah 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 blah, then you know, have this base of good stuff and then add the calories as needed.
0: It's actually very similar to what I tell university students. I've told them for years. I, I call it the one for one rule. Like, if you normally go get Big Mac and fries, just do do something healthy first. So go get eat a grilled chicken sandwich first, then move on to your Big Mac yeah. after that. You know, at least then you know you're getting some of the the staples in a what I would call a training diet. In, mm-hmm. but it's it's um, you could, they can comply with it as well. Yes. Right? Yeah, so. Um, One more. Indulgent descriptions may increase veggie consumption. So this is sort of related. Uh, A research letter published in JAMA, Internal Medicine, suggests that people who choose healthy foods more often uh, will do so if the vegetables are described in new and exciting ways. The Stanford University study was conducted in a cafeteria, and each day a vegetable is described in different ways. So, for example, uh, it says stuff like... um, Carrots with sugar free citrus dressing. You know, that might be one of the descriptions. Whereas a health only one might say high in antioxidants. But then they compared that with indulgent ones like sweet sizzling green beans or crispy shallots. You get the idea. So they're trying to, instead of focusing just on the health, here's some of the numbers. The researchers found the indulgent labeling led to 25% more people choosing a vegetable compared with the basic labeling. more people than the healthy restrictive labeling and 35% more people than the healthy positive labeling. Uh, In addition, indulgent labeling also led to a 23% increase in the sheer amount of vegetables consumed compared with basic labeling. That's from Turnwald at all. Again, it was a letter uh, to the editor in JAMA internal medicine. I think that should make sense, right? You're gonna make something sound freaking delicious As opposed to, this is good for you, punish yourself and consume it anyway, you know, kind of thing. But
2: Yeah, you notice that when you go to different restaurants too, I don't know why I've been paying attention to this lately. Maybe I've watched one too many cooking shows, but um, some interesting restaurants that are just like describe the food as is. And then you go to a more higher end, nice restaurant and just even same thing, right? Reading the description, you're like, wow, that sounds interesting. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's obviously the the line that goes a little bit too far where it sounds so convoluted. You're like, I don't even know what that is now.
0: <laughs> right, no doubt. Uh, you'll see that with, for example, the word vanilla almost is a metaphor for generic, right? Yeah. Go look at yeah. vanilla ice cream products. The, it's hilarious how they dress them up, you know, like indulgent French vanilla bean, you know, stuff like that.
2: <laughs> and, and they it's got to it be sound... the Madagascar vanilla bean. Yeah. Right, no, right, yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, whatever. <laughs> but so, yeah, so they they chose the veggies more, and they ate more of them. Uh, it, I, I think that makes sense, really. Uh, okay. Uh, any other news before we go to break?
2: Yeah, I've got one or two here. Um, this past week, I was down in Florida, so I'm working on a new program in human performance with the Kerrigan Institute. So they do functional neurology. Uh, with uh, Dr. Freddy's Garcia, <clears throat> Dr. Matt Antonucci, and Dr. Kenneth J. And one of the things that we're evaluating for the program is the Halo device. Have you guys seen this? No. It's, it looks like a pair of fancy headphones with a bunch of spikes in the band that goes across your head. <laughs> and the little spiky area actually corresponds to, as luck would have it, the motor cortex in your brain. So, they've got the little spiky area that puts out a current, what's called transcranial direct current stimulation, or TDCS. At the same time, you've got the headphones on. So, you put it on for about 20 minutes before exercise, and you're doing your warm ups, and then you have about an hour of increased plasticity. So, in theory, if you have increased plasticity, you should be able to learn better and faster. As we know, string sports, different things like that are based a lot on motor learning in addition to uh, muscle effects also. So we ordered one. I got to play around with it for only less than 24 hours. So what we did is we uh, unboxed it, which was pretty fun. It seemed to be pretty well made. Packaging, everything was good. Instructions were good. Um, Put it on, and then I tried that in a set of push-ups that night. And then I tried it again the next morning, did another set of push ups, so I don't know the first night I just seemed to do a few more than I did that smor- that morning, and next morning I did two more reps than I did the night before. you know, and of one didn't do any warm ups or anything like that went to the same uh, r p e It does feel a little weird because it's literally zapping your brain. <laughs> they need to put out enough current to get through obviously the skull and to hit the motor cortex which likely is on the outside part once you get through the skull other than that didn't feel too bad just a little bit of kind of uh pin prickly uh type effect um yeah it was interesting so they're going to do some more i guess you'd call hard testing so i had to leave it down there for them to play with and try to get it to the lab and do some more lab measurements Uh, people are interested there's uh paper in Frontiers in Human Neuroscience, which is also open access, uh, called Transcranial Direct Current Stimulation and Sports Performance. Primary author there is Edwards, and that literally just came out uh, May this year, uh, May 10th, actually. Um, It is an opinion piece. It looks like they, as far as I could tell, when you looked at the conflicts of interest, may have done some work on companies that helped create the device. Uh, but as a, you know, kind of jumping off point, if people want to track down more uh, references and everything like that maybe worth reading. So uh, I had to tip to Dr. Kenneth Jay, who pulled up the study on that. So, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I, if you would have asked me like two years ago, would we ever have a consumer device that you would put on and would actually zap your brain before doing exercise? I would have said you're batshit crazy, um, but when they did an interview with the guys, they said that they had in the past done a, some work with epilepsy for an actual medical device company, an implantable device. that was many years, many millions of dollars, and they were looking at doing something a little bit different. And I guess the FDA actually told them that, well, if you do a consumer-grade device, which this is, then you can get it to market like in a couple of years before anything else. So the FDA actually... At least from that statement, other uh, people I've heard in the industry are actually pushing more and more consumer-grade technology overall, which I think is a good thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I know there's some cool videos on YouTube if people want to look at transcranial stimulation of the motor cortex. There's some fun, yeah. brief, educational things. Uh, never had it done, though. So, that must yeah, that must be kind of weird.
2: But Yeah, it's... <sighs> It's just an odd sort of tingly sensation. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't pleasurable. It was just, eh, not bad. Um it wasn't as bad as I, I thought it was. Um, I have some other devices here that do micro-point uh, stimulation, and uh, those hurt a little bit more than this. But, uh, yeah, so only downside is the price tag's kind of high. I think the retail price is like 750 bucks. so it's definitely... Uh, up there in price, and I'm sure we'll see more and more data on it, but yeah, overall, I was pretty impressed with it, and it was appeared to be made nice, and seemed to work fairly easy for just taking it out of the box and giving it a whirl. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What else you got? Is that the main thing? Uh, yeah, that was the main thing. Okay. Um, there's another opinion piece that's interesting in uh, Frontiers here in Psychology May 2017 on uh, how mind body practice works together, integration or separation. Uh, last author there is Tang. It's an opinion piece, but I always find sort of the mind body classification very interesting. And they're just giving some some different points about how mind body practice works and possible reasons why that works. And at the end they kind of gave a little nice, you know, summary, you know, stating that it's integrating components of both the body, including the autonomic nervous system and the mind. And that everyone can also experience mindfulness in their own life and they recommended like a soft music background to kind of integrate different instructions <laughs> it can help occupy the person's wandering mind you know a lot of different uh, meditation types apps like calm and headspace work well for that so yeah, people are looking for some opinion piece but they got you know references and stuff in there too on that uh, they can check that out it's in frontiers of psychology may 26 2017
0: cool all right i have one uh piece of mail i think i'll save this till after the break when we address different uh questions from around the interwebs and uh we'll be back in just a minute All right, folks, we're back. It's Mike and Phil and Lonnie, and we are just kind of shooting the shit today. We've got news, we've got questions from around the internet, that sort of thing. A little bit of mail. Let me start with this first one. Tom sent a message to Fortress, and Rob sent it on to me. He says, "Dear Mr. Fortney, I hope you're doing well. I look forward to hearing back from you on the mic when your timetable permits." Uh, That's good. Yeah, so we got to get Rob back on every once in a while. I think. I apologize for the inconvenience, but could you please forward this to Dr. Lowry? I don't do Twitter or Facebook, uh, and I'm not certain that this type of message is good for that mechanism. Anyway, in any case, uh, he lives in London, and he's interested in sending some samples of an osteoarthritis gel, uh, pain relief gel. Uh, Apparently, it's not approved in the U.S. yet, but it is EU approved. So, yeah, I'm curious. He says, I'd like to send some samples. So, Tom, if you're listening, message received, uh, I'll follow up with you. Don't hold me to this, but I think this might be a topical ketoprofen. Um, I've seen some clinical trials with this stuff, uh, registered at clinicaltrials.gov. Um, I believe that's what this is. I know there's 10% ketoprofen creams and whatnot. I don't know if this is compared to that or if this is that. So I, I apologize, Tom, I'm not familiar. Mike, are you familiar with ketoprofen
2: at all? not that much I just barely know what it is but nothing beyond that okay I am interested in
0: anything I can slap on my um, sore elbows though so um, he says I've been a listener for some time I very much understand the effort that you put into the show uh, and this may be a way of showing some appreciation so thanks Tommy I'll follow up with you on that Um, I've got a funny little um, meme I've been meaning to send Phil it's it's a biker Mm -hmm. and he's wearing a He's wearing a leather vest that says, um, sons of arthritis, ibuprofen chapter. (laughs) 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 Ibuprofen chapter is funny. So, yeah. So, I don't know. That'd be interesting. I know we probably have a lot of people. I almost think joint inflammation is I – I don't want to say it's inevitable, but, you know, despite what a lot of health authorities say, it's hard to not push yourself hard with heavy weights year after year and not have something light up, you know. Yeah. But, uh, Phil, didn't you have a question, uh, from Facebook about joint inflammation?
1: Yes, there's one. Oh, um, it is. Let me find the right one here. Here we go. Hope all is well. My wife is dealing with some nagging injuries. I suspect chronic, chronic inflammation may be at least partially to blame. Any recommendations to help combat this or just some quality fish oils? How about you? That would be his question. How about you,
2: Mike? Chronic inflammation. Oh, in chronic inflammation? He doesn't say how long or anything else. No. Nope. Um, so a couple things I would look at. So I, In my head, how I split it is I'd look at mechanical and then biochemical. The so mechanical, just if they can get any type of movement assessment or just try to figure out what's going on, and obviously they'll probably have to go into someone as best if they can and just look to see... Because if you've got an irritant going on, you know, in the joint from muscles not working the way they should or you know, whatever you've got going on, you can do a bunch of stuff with supplements and other things, but it's that irritant is still going to be there, so it's going to be hard to work around it. So that's usually where I start first. Um, I've used a lot of stuff like RPR, reflexive performance reset. I've used some PRI stuff. And, you know, anyone who's a good you know clinician can get you sorted out in that area, so that's helpful. Um, more than I guess the supplement side, like we mentioned earlier, lots of micronutrition I found works really well, you know, go to the store, buy a bunch of veggies, get as many different colors as you can. Uh, that seems to help. I did a squat experiment probably three years ago now where I did, uh, on purpose in my gym here, uh, partial, uh, squats with super heavy weight to basically get myself knee tendinosis (laughs) (laughs) and then i just increased my micronutrition amount like super high, and then I played around with a couple of other supplements too. And even just a micronutrition, I saw like about a fifty percent reduction.
0: Mike, can just you, by doing that. Can you define micronutrition for the listeners? <clears throat> oh
2: sure, yeah. So there's all sorts of um, compounds, polyphenols, uh, different things that basically make up the colors that we see in a lot of vegetables. Right. So we've got all of our you know, vitamins, B vitamins, and C, and things of that nature. You've got your minerals. And you've got other things like green tea, There's lots of catechins, or EGCG. Different groups kind of have their own little different phytonutrients that they have. And if you kind of go through a color checklist, so I'll have people, you know, just follow the colors of the rainbow. If you really want to go crazy, you know, try to get some of those colors in on a weekly basis. Because what I've noticed sometimes is people you say, okay, let's try to eat more vegetables, and you look and wow, everything they eat is green. That's you know, definitely better than what they had before, but you may want to throw in some berries at that point. You may want to throw in some more citrus, things of that nature. Um, in terms of supplements, uh, I know our friend uh, Sean sent us. He sent me one that I'm testing out right now, so we'll probably have more info on that coming up. Sean Casey. And turmeric is pretty good. <clears throat> I've used that. Like they mentioned, fish oil, I think, is good. Um, I have played around with um, chondroitin and MSM, things of that nature. Uh, one I've used in the past is called actostatin. It's a specific form that initially they used it on uh, horses. I've got one study uh, done on horse racing, So I actually read a fair amount of equine research since horses don't have a placebo effect. And people who race horses will spend a whole bunch of money. They don't really care too much about money. And they time everything because they want to know did the horse run faster or not. Um, So I initially bought that one years ago as an equine supplement. (laughs) The little picture of the horse on it. Mm -hmm. It didn't have the human version out yet. Um, even though the human version was identical, I mean there wasn't anything illegal or anything crazy in there like that. Um, no yeah, so I found that that helped. <laughs>
0: no stanozolol in, in, in your equine. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing substances. like that. It was,
2: it was funny because I probably shouldn't tell them this, but whatever. I it, on the website they said you have to you had to be a doctor, so I said sure. I mean they didn't ask that I was a vet or, <laughs> or anything like that, mm. um, and it was just a weird loophole because they were trying to. You know, they were the the primary supplier, so they wanted to supply it to vets, who would then mark up the price and things of that nature. So yeah. they were just trying to control the distribution of it. Yeah, we are right. Yeah. Yeah, you can get the human version and stuff now so it's no problem
0: i think it's a good point about the the phytochemicals and you know that sort of thing um what we were just talking about in the news and in past weeks right there's there's more to this it's it's more nails in the coffin i think of the if it fits your macros don't get me wrong i i f y m for a target date diet that's like 12 weeks away yeah probably not going to take too much of a toll and let's face it macros are what draw you into nutrition initially i think right protein and it's Muscle building qualities, right? Or uh, carbs for f- uh, fast paced, high power output fuel, or fat and its nutraceutical effects. And but ultimately, you start coming around to stuff that maybe originally seems more boring, like vitamins and minerals or phytochemicals. You know, but I think that's it's the long haul uh, effects of those sorts of things. It's not the typical three-day length of stay in a hospital. It's not the immediate something that happens that you might feel with like a, a higher low-carb diet, you know that kind of thing. It's the inflammation and joint and soft tissue kind of repair and maintenance. Uh, I, you're just not, in my opinion, going to do that with Twinkies and cheese puffs, you know, as your carbon fat source. Uh, when you can be doing it with blueberries and and stuff like you mentioned, green tea and all that sort of stuff, so.
2: Yeah, and so much of that we don't even understand, let alone what compounds are in there, let alone what the compounds are useful for, and then you add combinations on top of that, and it's it's going to be a long time before we get all that sorted out. Right.
0: Before we hit record, everyone, I actually was talking to
2: uh, to Phil and Mike about, I, I saw
0: a paper, and I don't have the author, but uh, it was arguing that at, at least in some respects just Curry powder um, may be more effective than the, like a, a curcumin extract, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, turmeric powder, curry powder, a little bit more to the source. And it may that may, if it's true, uh, speak to the idea of all these phytochemicals working in kind of unknown ways. We've talked about that before, beta carotene, you know, fill out a good point. Coffee's like that, right? Coffee's not just liquid caffeine. There's hundreds of compounds in coffee. Uh, We get more antioxidants from coffee than we do from fruits and vegetables in the U.S. I mean, that's a sad commentary on our fruit and veg intake, but, um, yeah, so interesting stuff with that. And and I do think inflammation, to the listener question, uh, that's part of that. Uh, I I think you need to nail it down. Like, to me, berries are such a hugely impactful thing. Uh, I think probably four days a week, probably every other day, I'll have oatmeal with berries, mixed berries in it. And this is the time of year. Go snag the berries and freeze them because put them on a cookie sheet so you know, they don't freeze into a block. Um, and you got fresh berries essentially all year. You know, but that, that's, that's powerful medicine. When I, I gave a lecture in Oxford years ago, almost everyone I spoke to there that were speaking, uh, we were having breakfast, of course, in one of those old Harry Potter-esque sort of you know, medieval-looking dining halls. <laughs> and they all – they're, all, they're like, oh, me too, berries almost every day, berries, berries. I'm like, wow, so I, I guess I'm not alone, the people in the know. So I, from a compliance perspective, if it's too hard to think about this comprehensive phytochemical micronutrient plan or if you're not going to work with someone, um, if you don't have any problems with berries, it, I think it's a good place to start. Try to eat those fairly regularly. Try to cook with a little curry powder here and there if you can you know and get away from just processed crap. But yeah, fish oils, I think, would be probably number one on almost everybody's list for anti-inflammatory. You've got to take enough to matter, though. I take um, four triple-strength fish oils every morning. So you can't putz around with really low-dose stuff with the fish oils. But again, uh, you'd have to talk to your doctor, I guess.
2: And one quick comment on micronutrition, too. If people travel, like I was doing a seminar, I was helping out with one in Costa Rica this past year. Uh, one of the guys down there, uh, Sachin Patel we were at this little convenience store and he's like, oh, you got to try this drink. And I looked at it. And I'm like, "God, oh, this looks horrible. And it was, I think uh, coconut, like super high amounts of turmeric. Cause it was bright yellow and they put like cardamom, cinnamon, uh, black pepper, and a couple other things in there. I can't remember right now. I can't remember the name of it either, but it was a, a drink that you could buy like pre-made in the store that I guess a lot of the locals drink mm. and you Later, I was looking at the label and thinking, huh, that's a pretty cool way. Maybe you get a little bit more absorption of the turmeric compounds. You get a lot of other micronutrition from, you know, the spices and things that are in there.
0: Sounds like chai, Um, almost like a chai. It was
2: was almost like a chai, but with turmeric. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I always find it interesting that if you... Kind of seek out more local food when you travel that a lot of it tends to be very micronutrition rich too if you go back far enough in time yeah compared to the
0: u.s we're like the yes you know the evil overlords of nutrition here <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> <The food industry. laughs>
0: you know this sounds maybe gross but and i was doing it specifically for the turmeric but i went to a local indian grocer you know a little guy from india he's got this little setup here and you could tell it's authentic because everything's like it's not fancy americanized it's it's pretty yeah. low end you know legitimate authentic looking <laughs> you know kind of grocer and I just got a bunch of uh turmeric powder and I threw it in with peanut butter uh and vanilla whey protein shakes and it's it's weird it like you said, it's bright yellow, and you could probably get fancy with some of those other chai tea sort of herbs, but um yeah. It, because I, I've tried cooking with some of this stuff, you know, curry powder and turmeric and stuff, and everything—it stains everything bright yellow. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what that's yeah. doing to my teeth and everything else. I, I don't know uh, what it does to your teeth. I shouldn't—I'm just speculating, but—but uh, but yeah, it was a way for me to just hammer in very large amounts of. Um, <laughs> in fact, a dietitian on Twitter said, "You're never going to consume that much curry, and you know, it's gone."
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. watch me. Yeah, watch me. <laughs> So, Sounds like a challenge.
0: <laughs> well, to, to your point often, Mike, that you know, a lot of these, uh, one of the drawbacks of a lot of the phytochemicals, resveratrol and curcumin, is they're just not highly bioavailable. So, yeah, adding some fat or just consuming larger amounts in meals and that sort of stuff, that might be one way to at least try to address it, I guess. Yeah. So, anything else, Phil? What do we got from?
1: Um, I got a couple things. We can do this one first. It's more of a comment here, but um, there was another. So of late, everybody knows that like one of the benefits that CrossFit has been is bringing uh, more lifters into powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting and stuff like that than probably ever. Like, like powerlifting is probably in the biggest upswing it's ever been, and weightlifting is on the way up too. You're seeing more and more people do this, and a lot of that, their gateway drug is CrossFit. That's mm-hmm. what I kind of call it now. Well, now they're coming in and lifting in USAW meets and consistently getting popped for drugs. Oh! <laughs> so we had another one, another, another uh, girl that lifts in in CrossFit competition, and I don't know the the higher ups are saying that maybe they think the testing in USAW is the same as as the testing in CrossFit, but uh, it's not working out well. So. <laughs> oh. Yet another one popped, and not only was she basically, she went and did a meet. They tested her. In the time that test was being processed, she did another meet. They tested her. She got popped at both meets. Oh, so, an eight-year ban, four four years for each test. So there's a bunch of people in USAW. They're like, "Knock this off, you know. You're you're hurting the sport. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. already in. It's already in a bad spot with all that back testing." Oh, yeah. At, oh the, right. at the, yeah. at the edge of just getting booted from the games where right. they're like you're gonna like be the final nail on the coffin if you guys keep doing this. Are so. they
0: technically bad, Phil? Are the CrossFitters huh? are they pretty good when they enter the USAW kinds of things or uh I know?
1: mean there's some that have that have transitioned over that are extremely well. Like you technically know, good. Yeah, great good lifters. lifters. So yeah. um like I think Matty Rogers was originally in CrossFit stuff and that's how she found and now she's like one of our number one lifters okay so Mm -hmm. um yeah i think they come in and do well but it's uh it's realizing you just can't do that you
0: know what this sounds very (laughs) let me ask you you. this is this sounds very naive and i i know you don't want to paint with too broad of a brush Phil. but are drugs sort of um quite prevalent in crossfit because when i first started watching crossfit like when i saw uh on Television, like competition, I was stunned. Uh, like the girls have apples for traps, you know, and yeah. I'm like, okay, this that's not clean, right? Now, I'm not saying they're all shit. like that, right? But is yes. there a lot of that? Because this almost suggests there
1: is. Well, this is, you know, mainly level. purely anecdotal evidence and just hearsay. But from what I know, yes, and it's one of those deals where if you're in the good graces of HQ, it kind of gets swept under the rug. Um, and the the thing is you're seeing is like the people that get popped are like, it's never the top people, the yeah, ones that are like the, the down usually. yeah, the, the, it's not the princesses and princes of, of HQ. It's like, gotcha. we've got to put up somebody. So it's somebody in, not in their good graces <laughs> who ends up getting knocked out. Like they were all amazed that you guys all know, know who Laura Phelps is. Uh, yeah. West side lifter. West side. Which those guys are blatantly I mean not quiet about their use of performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. Um she was doing a team competition, decided to enter CrossFit and team, and like the whole community was amazed she got popped. And I was like, She What? Yeah. <laughs> she has right. more testosterone than I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know? yeah. And and is open about it. Uh so I don't know. It's one of these weird things. It's it's this whole you know. It's funny to me because they're the community as of itself is very like paleo and nary a gram of gluten will cross my lips. But these Anavar tabs are great. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like they they yeah. preach this totally healthy lifestyle, and all these people watching it and following CrossFit are, are very much into that. And then they're they're surprised that uh, somebody would be on performance enhancing drugs. I'm sorry, you put up two hundred fifty thousand dollars to a winner. Yeah, that's yeah, gonna. <laughs> you can't tell me that some people aren't going to uh, yeah. do whatever it takes to win that.
2: Yeah, you know, that's, And that's with any competition.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's not just CrossFit. You could yeah. easily... I mean, I could give me half of that and I could easily live for a year. Eat, like, yeah. well. <laughs> and I, I could just go train. You know? So, um, it's it's just kind of funny. And then, I don't know, I think you're seeing these people, like I said, they're coming in, well, I'll do USAW. I didn't get I, I was okay in CrossFit. Well, uh, the the testing is kind of a joke. There's no out-of-season testing. There's no... So it's just, uh, you know, in-season and if you get called upon type of thing. So if you know anything about use, you know, basically yeah. they, they've got all year to do whatever they want. And then, well, maybe I'll clean up for the games. Right, taper you know, down. Type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: so, well, now to be fair... <laughs> Uh, because I'm not really in the CrossFit world, and I know what you're saying. It does seem a little hypocritical with all the discipline and the sort of bravado and the health. Is there? I, I got to think though. There's a distinction between the everyman who just goes to his local CrossFit box and trains, oh, yeah. and and you know, you're you're not necessarily going to see drugs until you get to the elite stuff. Yes, right? Is that fair? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I'd agree. Well, and I think probably there is some at the local level too. But I think that the crazy thing is, is that like in powerlifting, when I look up to some of the best lifters, uh, most of them are out about it. So yeah. you just know yeah. that they're at that uh, in this sport. It's like it's the opposite. These people that are just starting out in a box really believe that none of these people would ever do anything like that. <laughs> uh, <you know? laughs> right. say, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. but no, They would never do that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, they are, you know. And like you said, I don't have evidence, but if you just watch it and you know anything about the human body and how it works and what level of of muscularity and leanness it can get to naturally, I'm sorry, not every one of those people is a genetic freak.
0: No. No. Not that many of them. To that point. (laughs) Fortress and I... To that extent. Yeah. We used to... We were backstage at so many national and pro competitions in bodybuilding that you get to the point, and again, I can't really support this except to say experience right intelligence yes. guided by experience yes yeah, you cannot just tell who's on you could tell what they're on with a fair degree of accuracy you know yes. this guy looks like he's on Winstrol. that is not the same look as someone on testosterone and anthate right or deca yes or yes. and you could kind of see that and then when you add the performance cues with it yeah mm-hmm. well, i mean you'd have to be naive not to be able to Yes, you know, understand,
1: you know. understand some of this. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, and I, I think it's just a, but I mean, gosh, it's like anything, though. I mean, the whole American culture is really thinks that most athletes are clean because they have no clue, and the reality of it in all sports, it's there, it just is, you know, and yeah. it's especially in sports that have a lot of money, and it's not going anywhere, and yeah. it's, it just amazes me that people are like, oh. I can't believe Barry Bonds was doing that. Well yeah, look at his yeah. contract. He has millions and millions of dollars. He just extended it four years and made you know Yeah. Now his grandkids don't have to work. Right. You know. Right.
0: Another generation. Uh, you, yes, you know what? I think know. it's it's a dichotomy. It's sort of this bimodal thing where people either are so naive, they're like, Oh, he looks so fantastic. How does he eat and train? you know i mean i've actually known guys that were pretty high level competitors that was their slap in the face against naive people right they they'd, they'd yeah. be like they'd say how do, you know what do you do and they would just look at him with an evil grin and say hard training and proper nutrition you know yeah. almost like mocking them but <laughs> yeah. but then there are the other people i think they're equally clueless and they think oh that guy's just on steroids you know, yes, and, yeah. as if yeah, everybody no. who's amazing, like if you could just take mm-hmm. an injection or pop, like you were, to your point, Phil, pop some Anavar and then yeah. you're amazing. That's equally yeah. stupid. So people are either in the camp that they're so naive they think all their heroes are not using, or they that's their excuse for everything. Oh, he's just on steroids.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, like I'll tell you what. my girls that pulls over three hundred, exactly. Like, all they're on drugs. Right. No, they're no, they're not. It's like <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> <laughs> they just work really hard.
0: No, right. Know? It's like listen, smart so. ass. Here's 3 yes. bottles of Anavar tabs, go for it. You know. Yeah. 16 weeks, we'll see what you've got. I bet it's yeah. nothing. I bet it's nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're yeah, you're you're going to have you're going to be like a poster child for side effects and you're still not going to be a champion. Yes. Or so, something.
1: anyways, anyway. I mean, I guess the commentary on this, the best commentary is like, oh, what's uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see the outplay of uh, of weightlifting as an Olympic sport with all this testing, going, I mean, there's just a lot of people being popped of late. And if they were like they almost kicked wrestling out of the Olympics, Yeah, <laughs> it's a bigger sport than than weightlifting by far as far as how many people do it um, and, and the viewership. So uh, right. who knows? It might be in trouble uh, if they keep if they keep digging, which we've talked about before. I think that in and of itself is stupid. Um, because they're just putting, they're kicking theirself in the butt. Oh, they're soiling you know, athletics in yeah. general. Yeah. Yes, they're going back eight years and it's like, uh, you guys are opening a <laughs> you're opening a can you might not want to open. No. Because you're going to find out that all sports are just riddled and then everybody's going to, it's going to, hey, the person in third, fourth place is now the winner.
0: What's the book? So. There was a, a famous book about how how bad it would be if we had 100% transparency i can't remember what the yeah. name of the book is but this is a good ex- another good example of that kelly knows i should i should ask her um but yeah that was the idea of this author right like let me let me paint you a picture where everything is completely transparent and we'll see what the world is <laughs> like it's <laughs> it, you, like everybody doesn't want audited on every single thing down to it doesn't mean everybody's dishonest it just means there are some things like you're saying, Phil, it's it, it does become. I don't want to sound like uh, Trump has lately with you know. Every, oh, it's a witch hunt, but sometimes it does become a bit of a witch hunt in those regards. And in if the rules were different on that day back then, like we've said before, it, it's almost a context switch. Like you can't apply different rules. That wasn't the rule of the day. That's yes. what happened on that day. I, I don't, yep. I, you know, you, I'm not condoning or or, um, or condemning anything. I'm just saying you're you're trying to retro-apply stuff that, yeah, that's a mistake.
1: Yeah, and it's not saying those people were right, but they passed the testing of the time. Just let yeah. it be. You yeah, yeah. Uh, Because if not, they're going to go back to 1980 or whatever when Deanna Ball came on the scene. It's just everybody's going to be, let's test all the way back. Well, yeah. everyone fails. Yeah. So we just got to redo the 1984 Olympics. Right.
2: Right. I mean, I'd I'd love to see a study that would somehow look and say, well, if we just test you on the day of and call it good there, or we go back eight years, is going back eight years really going to deter that many more people from doing it? Uh, I kind of have my doubts on that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, when three quarters, I think,
0: of like almost all the Tour de France guys suddenly are. Illegitimate oh, yeah. and pop. Yeah. It's like well we're we're left with essentially no sport. Like there isn't mm-hmm. even a sport of, of, of cycling now. Now what are we gonna do?
1: Yeah. So. Exactly. You're going back that many years and stripping titles and you know, the fact was they still had that fame for eight years. And as an Olympic athlete, you're luckily if you, you're lucky if you let's say you win a gold and people know who you are for a year. Yeah. So your fame's already done by the time they retest. You know? Yeah. So yeah. And it's like you like said, like with the Tour de France,
2: how far do you go back, right? So now you're at, you know, 23rd place. You're now the the, yeah. the winner. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you were a day of 24 hours behind, and you won now. So, anyway, uh-huh. it was kind of interesting. But our next question is, which I'll just touch on briefly. i got to go here in a minute. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a guy. He's got a powerlifting background. He's now getting into throwing so Shot put highland games stuff like that and he asked how you go about implementing jump training specifically for throwers shot highland games into your training Which I thought was interesting because it's kind of a a a place I've tied on to and you know, the first thing I told him was just uh, You know the, the number one thing to realize is that if you're let's say even if he's a decent power lifter and he's coming into throwing sports I don't even think it's so much the dy- dynamic ability he has. He's got the strength and most likely the power. It's just he doesn't know how to use it. So the, the number one thing he needs to do is just throw more. Because you know? yeah. <laughs> it's not just – throwing isn't just dynamic power and, and being able to display, display your strength. It's in a very technical way. Yeah, skill. And that's what he lacks. He lacks the skill. He doesn't lack the, the power output. You know, it's it's learning how to do that in the right way. You know, you're coming from a very uh, a single-plane sport into one where now you're running in circles. You know, it's totally different than a squat. So, I mean, yeah, I think some jump training and things like that can can benefit maybe in your warm-up. But other than that, I mean, I think you just need to get your gym time down for a while and your your field time up. Practice. You know, yeah. your strength is there. That's I know plenty of people. I've got one in my gym who's uh, he's a this is second year as a lightweight Highland Games thrower, and he's doing okay. But he goes out there and realizes he's stronger than everybody else he's competing against and losing to. You know he's literally stronger than them. So it's like eh, maybe we just need to throw a lot more, right? You know? And that's that's the number one thing I think. Um, and and I, again, I'm not saying that speed work, jump box jumps, and even like. Uh, for Highland Games, what I told them was, you know, jump training's great, but you're talking like a 16-pound shot in, in Olympic throwing or high school collegiate, whatever, compared to like a 56-pound weight. Yeah. Highland Games yeah. is heavier. It, it, it's mm-hmm. uh, There's some load there, and that's where I think uh, classical jump training and stuff like that, which is just body weight, it helps, but it's not as big of a payoff as, say, some heavy swings, some hang snatches, things like you need to move weight at a high rate of speed. You know, in Phil, high I, yeah, Power. I, think, I think when yes. it's
0: back to the print, the old principle, it's the specificity principle. Yes. You know, you're going to have to be explosive in that motor pattern, you know, yes. starting a little bit maybe slower at first and then doing it as more explosively as you develop, but it's specificity, you know. So.
1: And there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that can jump really high, and they're very explosive, but you give them 56 pounds to explode with, not yeah. so much. You know, yeah. It's very specific, and mm-hmm. that's, where, you know, that's where Highland Games kind of crosses the barrier, and that's why I liked it. It crosses the barrier between two things I like. You know, it's being explosive with fairly heavy weights, uh, mm-hmm. you know, throwing 56 pounds for height. It's, it's, an ex- it's an expression of power and strength. So,
0: Phil, did uh, you? Um, because I know you used to say, maybe this is the other side of the coin, but you used to say that you weren't technically the best, but you were really strong. Oh no, yeah, kinda, that's you the only way that. I made it to A
1: class. You know? Yeah, you kind of rode uh, that right. And that's you know, I'm a, I I, I still call myself a, a horrible Highland game thrower, but you know, I'm in A class. Like I, if I walk out today, which I, I'd like to compete again, I'll just never drop the B class again. It's just because I'm strong. You know, I can go out there, and if, and if I want to be better, I need to just stop my gym time and go throw a lot, and that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm technically horrible, and that proved itself. Like, I went to A-class games here, my, one of my last ones, and it poured on us all day, and so I'm going to start searching out games where it's raining because you get on a muddy field, and, like, Equalizer. technique goes out the window, so it's, like, my <laughs> perfect place. <laughs> Your technique is horrible when you're sloshing through mud for everybody that's a good strategy. so that's where my strength came and paid off it was like ah, i can beat you guys all on a muddy field right because
0: yeah. now everybody <laughs> technically sucks
1: <laughs> yeah exactly because now all of our technique is at the same level and my technique is no better on dry ground than it is on wet ground
0: there you go so you could dominate you'll become like you'll get some nickname <laughs> like you
2: know rainy day phil
1: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll get out the farmer's almanac and start searching for games that meet up with <laughs> Or,
2: so. I was going to pay for cloud seeding above the – <laughs> There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, um,
1: that, that was kind of his question. I don't know if you guys have anything to add in there. People were telling like I wow. said, throw in – put it in your warm-ups. I think it's a good idea. I mean, I think that's a good idea for power lifters. Like if I'm going to go heavy in a squat, I start out with the bar and 135 moving it very quickly.
0: Agreed. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it's efficient. Like
1: yeah. So, and you kill two birds with one stone. Like, I think it's a good idea to maybe if you're deadlifting heavy today, maybe start off with cleans. You know, you're getting things moving yeah. quick. And then as it, it just, the load on the bar demands on how you lift it from there on out. And at some point, sorry, I'm not going to clean 500 pounds. Yeah, I'm going to start doing my deadlifts now. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah, I have a client I'm working with. He's trying out for the Olympic uh, bobsled combine coming up. that's one thing we did is we flipped his deadlift and cleans because he's very limited for time due to his day job and family. Um, So he was doing cleans after deadlifts and you could tell they just wasn't much there. So we flip flopped them and put them first. So you're more warmed up. You've got more speed and power, those types of things first. And like you said, Phil, is, you know, even if they're, you know, not that good that day. You still get a little bit better practice and a better state, and then it serves as a warm up for your deadlift too.
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing you can learn from uh, Olympic weightlifters. You know, that's you—you you never see them. Okay, we're going to do our squats and our pulls first. No, they do their technical speed work, yeah. their lifts, and then you move on to the uh, to the just straining work. Yeah, you know? limit strength. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's their assistance so and that's one thing you need to realize I mean as a thrower anything done in the gym is assistance work to your sport right you yeah know? yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. football baseball you know the the chunk of your time needs to be done at your sport anything in the gym is assistance work to make you better at that you know it doesn't matter if you have a seven hundred pound squat if you can't hit the ball as a baseball player right yeah you know that's not going to help you hit better. You need to get out and do more swings. So um, no, that's kind of where I'm at. So, all
0: right, no good stuff. Well, I think that's a show.
2: We, yeah, we had a few other questions here, but I'll save them for next time and we'll get to them then. Excellent. Yeah, I'm going to go
1: lift you. heavy things. So yeah, absolutely.
2: <clears throat> Have a good weekend,
1: everybody. Cool. See ya.
0: If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we... Put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good uh, knee sleeves wraps of some kind things that fortress uses in his own training Uh, the stuff you you see you know is good this way you don't waste time so check out the iron radio store at ironradio.org